Welcome to Gross Anatomy. We're live, Lauren? Yes, we're live with Gross Anatomy. Where we discuss the sights, smells, and sounds of medicine and how it relates to pop culture, movies, TV, art. I wanted to add art to it. Oh, yes. We want to add art, directing. And the world around us. Mm -hmm. And I am Lauren Taylor. (laughs) Yep. And I'm Dr. Jason Cohen. And today we have a very special guest. Hello. Who are we we joined? We're joined by Anya. How do you say your last name? Nickelodeon. It's like Nickelodeon, but stops at the Nickelodeon. <laughs> I love Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon, yeah, that's a good last name. Yeah, in yeah. high school, they used to be like, oh, you're the creator of Nickelodeon. I was like, I wish. But no. <laughs> yeah. That would be very cool. That would be very cool. Be cool. Isn't a Nickelodeon like a thing? I, I don't mean, actually know what it is at all. I never even thought to look it up. I don't know either. I don't either. Yeah. So we're super psyched and super excited that you are our guest today for so many reasons. Um, you didn't know that in addition to this being a podcast, to some degree, it's a job interview, right? Teasing you a little bit, but somewhat serious too. And it's the end of the year, which is super exciting because hopefully this year will just go away and not come back again, this kind of thing. Not even counting yeah. it. Not yeah. Even. So the re- you know what's what's ama- what's exciting to me about you is a few things. A, you've actually worked in healthcare a little bit, which yeah. wow. which I found out when I saw your resume, mm-hmm. uh, and that's and that's why to some degree this really is a little bit of a job interview. So we're yeah. podcast job interview, and and luckily mm-hmm. even though Lauren and I say is this live, it's, it's not, not live. live. Lauren Sorry, Lauren edits it. And and it's not video, so so even though even though I I put my best hair and face on and everything, it's not videoed. Although Lauren maybe will hopefully take a photo yeah. of us. So excited that that you've actually worked in the healthcare industry. But then I'm super psyched that we have a real time influencer on the show um, to kind of talk about influencing and what that means and. And your thoughts about medical influencers. I kind of want to talk about that stuff a little bit yeah. um, as well. Okay. So if you don't mind, I'm gonna, I'm gonna how how did you get to like how does someone become an influencer? How did oh. you or how did you start being an influencer? Well, I started because I had a girlfriend, my really close friend of mine. Um she just sort of took off, you know, she sort of got this random fan base that just loved following her and her daily life and what she did. Based on, based on her college degree, based on her years of academia, based on her life-saving skills, what, what no. was she doing? No, actually not even. It's, 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 very, it's a very different world because you're not accepted in the Instagram influencer social media world. Um, if you don't have to have a degree, you don't have to go to school. It's sort of just like, you know, if you're a personable person and if people are interested in maybe perhaps they start out being interested by the way that you look. And then, you know, there's also other influencers that go from being just posting the pictures of themselves and they go off into a different sect and start, you know, creating a fan base based off of what they do in their life and what they Mm -hmm. do with that platform. Um, 
Who's your friend? What's your friend's name? My friend's name is Sophie. So we started hanging out and she started posting pictures of us and people, a lot of the people that followed her sort of flocked to my page because we had a similar look, um, similar interests. And then I started- How do you guys know each other? From school, from high school. Oh, you grew up together? Yeah, we grew up together. We were neighbors, unbeknownst to us, we didn't know. We were Mm -hmm. neighbors. So we lived literally like two houses down the street from each other. And, um, yeah, so she started doing her own thing. She grew her following and then I got some of her followers and then I started growing my following just, you know, on my own. I created my, you know, my sort of like aesthetic for myself. And then I started just posting about things that I care about, just like literally, you know, influencing people in what I do in my day, you know, talking about my political views. I, it's pretty much everything I talk about. You I don't worry about them. talking about your political views. Um, Yeah, I worry because I do get some backlash. You know, I'm very much on the liberal side. So I'm we don't talk. We don't talk politics. We will just keep it vague. We'll keep it vague. Okay. We'll keep it vague. So yeah, I tried. I tried that a little bit. I talked about politics just because I do like you get hate. Did you get a lot of hate? I I got a lot of hate. I like to be open on social media, but I've learned it was a great learning lesson not to be too open because you know, it isn't, it's not your best friend on there. There's some people that you don't know. You don't know what they might do with that information. You know, you don't know if they wish harm upon you. You don't really know. So, so that was definitely like a learning experience for me, but it's, it's been real and it's been really fun, you know, sharing with my 155,000 followers, what I do in my life. Yeah. That's an amazing amount of people. So do you find that you ever have to like block people or you probably don't even have time to like read all the comments? from all of your posts. How do you navigate that? I don't, but if I happen to see one or like, you know, if it, I really don't get that much hate on my page, which is surprising because I feel like a lot of influencers do. Um, I don't get that much for whatever reason, but when I do, like if I do get hate, it's like really, really bad. Either picking it like one of my biggest insecurities or somebody just being super gross and you know, I delete the comment and then I block them. So that's sort of like how I handle it. Right. Yeah. It's, is it tough. is it kind of like a full time job to some degree? Yeah, to some degree, I would say so. It's different, you know, than your average job, like working a nine to five and getting up and going. But it's also kind of similar, if that makes any sense, because you have to put in effort. It, I mean, it's it's a little bit harder, I want to say, than you know, getting up and having a routine and working some corporate nine to five job because it's all on your shoulders. So you have to be the one to be motivated and get up. And, you know, if your niche is lifestyle, then you got to post lifestyle, you know? So maybe if you're in a bad mood one day, you either have the, you have the decision to post it and talk about how you're feeling and your mental health that day, or you don't post anything. And then you have people being like, what's, what are you doing? What, where'd you go? You know? Yeah. You know what I find? I joke, Lauren and I sometimes joke around is that, I feel very disadvantaged because I'm not like a hot young thing, man or woman for that matter. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like that's a big reason why a lot of people are successful, men and women, doctors, whatever their careers, because they're posting, you know, this new look in this outfit or like that seems like frustrating to me as a doc, you know, as a no, little bit. Of course, of course. I, I feel like, I feel like a lot of people, it's frustrating for a lot of people, but I feel like 
the way that social media is moving, at least just from what I've seen, is that a lot of people will gain followings just from being really good and really passionate about their particular niche. Like I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think, nor do I believe or agree with the fact that you need to be with the trends and wearing the newest Instagram clothes and taking the newest collagen supplement that probably doesn't even work. Um, right. You know, stuff like that. We're just being fed all this information on a daily, I mean, minutely basis. So it can be really hard and it can definitely be competitive. But I feel like as long as you're passionate about what you're doing and what you're posting and you're religious and consistent about it, like you will find people that want to, you know, that want to look and check it out. I find a lot of the, a lot of the doctors that I find who are successful are either doing, are either like posting, you know, how they look and dress or they're doing these dances. You know, that's a big thing, you know, doctors dancing. Yeah. Um, which cracks, cracks me up. What, it's, what are your thoughts on the whole dance thing? It's so interesting. I've seen a lot of doctors shift their, you know, their platform from Instagram to TikTok and they're like getting with the trends and stuff. And I feel like that's good if you're also implementing your niche and what your, you know, what your job is. So like mm-hmm. it's one thing for a doctor or anybody for that matter in like, you know, that has a career to go and have their Instagram page that may not be doing that well and then switch to a platform like TikTok that has a really crazy algorithm. Like Instagram used to be like you could get 80,000 followers in a day if somebody with the right amount posts you. It's not like that anymore. Now people get shadow banned and their pages get concealed a lot easier. TikTok is like there's all the world, you know, all the world in the in the all the room in the world to 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 grow. Are you and on TikTok also? Yeah, I do TikTok as well. And like, mm-hmm. I found that, you know, in the time that it would take me maybe a couple of years to gain like 50,000 followers, it took me like, you know, a few months to gain that on TikTok. I don't know. I don't know. Are you doing the same thing on TikTok that you are on Instagram? Is it the same posts or you're doing different kind of posts? No, different kind of posts. I, I haven't really took taken my... Are you dancing? Yeah, I do. I do dances. I'll do... Oh, you do? Uh, yeah, I do like a bunch of random different things on my TikTok, but I find that especially if you're somebody that has your own career, if you're a doctor, for instance, and you're talking about like thyroids and the gut and stuff like that, then you should be doing, you know, a thyroid dance or a dance where you're doing little movements and you point and then there's little descriptions, like bullet points almost that talk about the different aspects of the human body or, you know, sort of find a way to like bring the two together instead of just going from Instagram and being a doctor and then you're just a dancer on TikTok. I think it's good to implement what you actually do so that people, you're different, you know, people recognize you for you and you're not just some regular person just dancing. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Cohen, I would watch you do a thyroid like diagram dance. I think that's yeah. a good idea. <laughs> Why to laugh at me, you think? No, just because it would be fun. I think they probably are watching. I'm not on TikTok. Sorry. We probably seem so old to you. We're asking all these like social media. No, questions. no, no. But um, so I'm not on TikTok, but I imagine people like watching doctors dance because everyone feels so bad for people that are doctors now and like how stressed you guys are. So like seeing you guys happy and dancing is probably like a relief to everyone. Yeah. It's refreshing to see like a doctor that's normally you, you picture them being like really serious and, you know, just stick to the work. And then you see them, you know, adding their little twist to what they do. It's really cute. It's really fun and like enlightening to see. I like it. Warren, you could be my surrogate dancer. How about that? In the background, just like <laughs> a Yeah. So what about the pictures? Like, do you, do you tend to take the pictures yourself do, or do you hire someone or do you always have a friend around with you taking pictures? How, how does that work? Um, 
I think it depends on the degree. Like if you're like, I would be considered a micro influencer. You know, there's people that have like 21 million people following them. So it's very, it's very different depending on how many followers you have and how many people are like, you know, depending on you for a post. But I think that once you get to a, you know, I personally don't hire anybody. I don't really need to. I either take them myself. I'm really good at that. I know my angles. I know where to, you know, I know sort of the aesthetic that I'm going for. I have lighting um, or, you know, I can set it up. I literally take my shoe and stick it in a tree if I have to and stick my phone in it and self-time and take it like that. If worst case scenario, I have to do content for a brand. And your phone is a little stinky? (laughs) (laughs) No, my phone's not stinky. I put a special powder in my shoes for anybody that cares. Uh Like the stink away. I wear wear Uh socks and lotion so that they don't get gross, but. Yeah, or if I'm with a friend and we're doing something fun, I'll try to get, it's easier to get candids that way. So it's just, it's just a different look. But people that have more followers, for sure, that are, you know, working on a really high scale and getting paid a lot to post for a brand, they definitely need to pay for makeup artists and, you know, content creators and, you know, somebody to take the photos and stuff like that. There's a lot more moving parts that go into it, I feel like. It seems like everybody, you know, these days is trying to become an influencer or micro influencer. What do you, what do you think sets people apart? Like why, why do you think you've been successful as opposed to someone else? Why has your friend been successful as opposed to someone else? What do you, what I do you personally think? think that just from my opinion, the, the people that are most successful, like Tana Mo- Mojo, I think that's how you say her name. I don't, I don't know if I'm butchering it, but she you know, she's grown really, really successful and she is really well liked by a lot of people. And that is purely just from her honesty and her transparency on social media. You know, she's doing work. She's going to admit to it. If she's face tuning or, you know, editing, mocking up her photos, she's going to admit to it. She's open about it. She's very transparent with her followers. I think that we're moving more from like an age in the past, like my parents' generation in like the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, I guess. It was like, you know, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, like there's this like mystique to these like really famous people, actors, singers, you know, whoever. And then there was no social media. There was no cell phones. There was nothing like that. So you'd see them on screen, how the director wanted them to be portrayed in their character. And then you had no idea who they were at home, like no idea what they're doing, who they are. And I mean, that's great sort of if you're in like the movie industry, because then you're who you are in that movie and nobody really knows everything else. is It's, it's a mystery. Now it's good and it's bad. You can see, you know, every aspect of an influencer's or a famous person's life. They can choose to do YouTube. They can do a day in the life. They can show you what they eat, what they wear, how they wear it, you know, stuff like that. So I think that the success comes where, you know, you're transparent about things if that's what you're comfortable doing. Because people want to see that you're a real person, you know, not just this robot who, you know, looks all made up and fake and all that people want to know like where it comes from and all this all that stuff do you do you strive to make this like a full-time gig or like what's what would be your perfect i for sure i think that for me it's definitely a goal to like continuously grow my platform and go into other platforms like youtube and stuff like that and it's difficult for somebody like me because i just post so many random things, you know, just my life. And, you know, I'll do skincare one day and then maybe I'll be in a dress the next day promoting that or like promoting coffee or collagen, you know, all these different things. It's like sensory overload for me and for other people. But um, I do have a few passions and a few things that I want to be transferring to like YouTube and 
like I love to cook and I love nutrition and health and all that. Um, so I think that's one of my main things that I want to bring to YouTube and sort you of a certain way. What was that? You eat a certain way. I do. I do eat a certain way. Like, are you vegetarian or vegan or? I'm not. I'm not vegan. I. I pretty much eat, you know, whatever, but I try to stay away from a lot of, you know, certain, I read ingredients no matter what. Like, I don't care if it's cereal, if it's juice, like a bar, anything. I read ingredients. I think that's super important because I feel like you should eat your skincare, basically. I feel like that's the best way you can glow from within because if you're eating, I know for me, like when I'm eating products even from trader joe's even from whole foods you know you're not reading ingredients you can buy something that has a plethora of things that can potentially cause cancer down the line or can cause breakouts the next following week so it's really important i feel like to know exactly what's going into your body so i'm constantly reading ingredients and i think the best bet is honestly just make your own food at home like just make your own food lots of greens you know lots of protein not too much sugar, not too many starches, things like that. I actually that. strive, I strive to be as plant-based as possible. We talk about it. And, and yeah. I actually think dairy, which I like, and occasionally have pizza as my weakness, but I do think dairy causes a lot of skin stuff. And inflammation um, too, I feel like, right? What's that? Yeah. It can cause inflammation in the body now. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly it. So I, I I really believe that um, limiting the all animal products, especially dairy, definitely helps with skin and stuff. Yeah, no, I. Are your I parents like on social media? My parents, no, no, they're, they're not. not. No, How they're very, my parents. My dad is like mid fifties. I don't know exactly. I should know this, but I don't. I think he's like fifty three, maybe. And my mom is forty nine. And they're not on social media. They're my age. My mom has social media, but it's an account that I made for her, and I just posted what I wanted to post of, like, myself and her cats and, you know, her house and stuff. But she doesn't, like, go on it or post or anything like that. Really? Does she look at your Instagram and stuff? She does. But she will use it to look at mine. That's pretty – like, mine and my friends. She just likes to see what's going on and what I'm doing. Does she comment on it? No. She's not really active with it. I don't think she knows how, honestly. But that's not the – She never comments on your social media? Nope. Never call. I mean, she'll comment to me and be like, "Hey, you looked cute in that photo." Or, but she, but she won't, won't post stuff. No, no, she doesn't. It's so like interesting. That. Yeah, I think that's like what a lot of people don't get about Instagram influencers is how much work it takes. Like you're saying, start a YouTube channel, which I would definitely watch you like reading ingredients and saying what causes skin breakouts, that kind of stuff. Like I want to know that kind of stuff. I would watch yeah. that YouTube channel, but that takes so much work. Like it, it's a lot to edit videos and to right. like, you know. Yeah. yeah, I totally wonder how, like, because there are plenty of doctors who who have been able to get um, Insta famous or or become yeah. influencers. So I don't, I don't know. Are they not doctoring anymore? Like, how are they? Because it it does take a lot of time to do all the crap. Like, even when Lauren and I do a few posts, I mean, it takes a decent amount of time to do that stuff. Well, I was working at a doctor's office um, a few months back. And he wanted, he really wanted. And I, was on, and I was on his, uh, he actually had me on his podcast. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that's awesome. Dr. Yeah. Dugar, right? Dr. Deepak Dugar. Yeah, he's amazing. He's my right. rhinoplasty surgeon. He did my nose. He did an amazing job. I refer him to everybody that asks closed, rhino, closed rhinoplasty. Super great. Amazing healing. No pain. None of that. So. Good guy. 
Yeah, he's great. Um, but he really he's wanted greater because he had me on his podcast. Exactly. And he wanted go. to do social media. So he right. was having, you know, I think that the be- the reason why he I feel like he's his account is definitely growing at, at a really nice pace. I feel like um, he had really dedicated like assistants and, you know, people that were doing social media. That was part of my job as well. And, you know, he would have like a crew just come in and sort of he would do his thing. You know, he's the nose guy. He does he does his thing. And then he would have people around him that were, you know, in sync with what he was trying to do. And they were, you know, just really good planning and communication that took place. And they would just go in and, you know, document it and take videos, you know, and, and he'd have editors and stuff like that. And you coordinated that or he would coordinate that? No, he would have, he had like his assistants that would coordinate it. And then I would take like BTS and do little things. There's what? little what? What's BTS? Like, behind the scenes. Ah. So there's, you got cameras over here filming like, you know. Like real fancy cameras or just their phones? Yeah, because he hired, you know, he would hire somebody. So they came in with their big cameras and the, the gaffer guy holding the, the sound thingy, the fuzzy wow. thing. Wow. How often would he do that? Um... I think he was, at one point he was doing it like a couple times a week. It was like this little film crew. And then he would film surgeries, which I wasn't a part of. Um, And then also like this one girl was getting her jawline injected one time. And were patients always interested and willing to let themselves get filmed or would Not always, but you would definitely get people that would want to do that and that wanted to see and wanted to share their process and stuff like that. And I think that's the most important thing if a doctor wants to share i think that it's you know to have the right crew and the right the right planning going involved in the right people that that can like i think as a doctor you should just be able to do your thing and then everybody else that you know is part of your team they should just be filming and just like highlighting what you do and not really getting in the way and also not um not leaving really much of that up to you because you're doing the doctor stuff right and then everybody else that is being hired and potentially paid to document it should it should sort of be like laissez-faire like you do your thing I'm gonna film you I'm gonna document this you can look at it when you have a minute and sort of give me the idea of how you want it to be edited and what you want to showcase in the video or story or whatever and this is how we're gonna like push it to the public stuff and who would do the posts he would or someone would or he had or you would he had somebody he had somebody doing it and then I would do posts for more of like the injector not the surgical aspect of it because he does injections as well so I would do you know the posts for that and sort of to create a flow and like coloring and you know keep it keep it like very homogenous so it looks clean and good I think and how often were you in his office when you were working there every day Um, I was in there yeah almost every day and then yeah, it just got to a point where, you know, those girls were so good at what they did, his his assistants, and some of them were, like, nurses, I believe, and they were able to just take over, and he didn't need me for that anymore. Um, but that's definitely, that's something that I do. I like to help people with social media because I've been doing it for so long. So I, I know how it works pretty well. So, yeah, that's something that I can put on my resume. No, for sure. It's a, it's a skill. I don't know anything about a lot of stuff like TikTok. Yeah, no, TikTok is also great because it's so easy and quick for, for anybody to grow. Doctor, you know, teen, little kid, cook, like it doesn't matter who you are. And I think that if you are to make that shift and like the doctors that I have seen on TikTok, they post these short little clips, short and sweet and concise of them doing like a before and after on a surgery. Like if you're going to do a surgery, you got to show, especially if it's cosmetic, like you have to show the before and after. Like people want to see what the 
the crooked nose looks like like when it's finished you can't just show right. the process and not show the result it's something that i see all the time and doctors doing reviews on either like talking about foods i saw this one doctor and he was like he like de- debunks all these different like myths and stuff about food so it'd be like okay high fructose corn syrup which is in a lot of the things that we eat and drink like coca-cola and you know cookies and candies and stuff like that that actually is directly correlated with cancer. So that's a no, you shouldn't be eating that. And then there's maybe something else like milk. Oh, well, milk's actually not the worst. And I don't know, just giving like an example. And so they go and, you know, they talk about things that are true and things that aren't true about things that you put in your body and how they affect your health. And then another doctor is cosmetic. And I forget his name, Dr. Barrett, plastic surgery, I think. He's on TikTok and he posts, um, like he'll do like a little green screen situation. There's like a model in the background and he's like, this is what I believe she did to her face and her body to get this look. And then he talks about it and like everybody, they go viral because everybody's like, I've always wanted to know what Bella Hadid put in her face to look like that, you know, stuff like that. So So I can't do any of that. Well, you can't do that, but you can talk about, you know, the things that you know about thyroids and and the intestines. It's funny. In fact, one of my partners at another hospital today um, he's a colon and rectal surgeon, one of my partners, and he removed, I wanted to post it, but I really can't. He removed a foreign body from someone's anus. Wow. Yeah. People today. wouldn't want to see that. I know, but I, I, I don't think I could post it. He removed it. Actually, when I was, do, when I was in, I don't remember if it was med school or residency at one of the hospitals where I was training in Brooklyn, a psych patient, a psychiatric patient, tried to shove a candle up his penis. Wow. I I don't know what happened, but I remember my uncle, who was chief of psychiatry back then, uh, I saw the guy for something else, but he told me about shoving a candle up his penis. How's that for gross anatomy? That would be things that, yeah. I mean, interesting things we could post. Um, Yeah. Do you think... Do you think TikTok would like help actually get like podcast subscribers? Like how would we translate that? Like, cause so Dr. Cohen does a whole, he does one just for thyroid surgery and then he does one for this podcast. I think that something really useful would be to like reach out to TikTokers, you know, people that you see on TikTok. It, it doesn't matter if they do makeup, if they just do dances, it doesn't really matter what they do as long as they have a following and you ask them what, their passions are when it comes to health and like maintaining and like self-care and then you like make a tiktok like duetting you know you could do it this is just like you know random shot in the dark but you could make like a tiktok duetting you know another tiktok stars page and being like oh okay well this person seemed to be eating this so i would love to you know i'd love to ask them you know how often do they eat this what do you what do you normally eat Um, Do you take any supplements to look this way? Your hair seems super less, like stuff like that. And then that could be a way to get them to like, you know, because people love to talk about themselves. So that'd be a great way to bring them on to the podcast and use the TikTok sort of, TikTok account sort of as like a- Yeah, that's a very good observation. Yes, that's very good. Or every, at the end of every episode- Sorry, at the end of every episode, we always ask, like, what, what they've been watching, like, what movie, TV. That's like a quick clip, too, that we could- Yeah. What do you watch, Anya? What do I watch? I watch a lot of Grey's Anatomy. A lot of Grey's Anatomy. Really? Yeah. I'm obsessed. But I know, 
I know it's like nothing. I don't know. Are there doctors having sex in the on-call room? Like, is that a thing? Like, <laughs> I don't know how accurate the series is when it comes to like that. That would actually be great if you asked Dr. Cohen. We've had we've had a few episodes where we kind of like review some doctor TV shows, and I asked Dr. Cohen that question. But like quick clips of you asking, like, I just saw this in a scene of Grey's Anatomy. Tell us the truth. Have you ever seen this? And you could answer that, Dr. Cohen, because I don't think, or, I mean, you could decide if you wanted to answer it. I wouldn't want to get you <laughs> if I want to answer it, right? It doesn't it's have to be the sex question, but it could be like whatever, you know. Yeah. No, I watch, I watch a lot of Grey's Anatomy, like a lot of Dexter. Um, I loved Game of Thrones when that was on. I don't know. I just, I'm really, fa- I love watching doctor's shows. I think it's a really impressive career. I think it's really, like, I mean, it's difficult to be a lawyer. It's difficult to be, you know, a, a pilot. It's difficult to do a lot of things, but I think like the human body is so utterly complex and I've just always been so impressed by doctors i think it's super impressive so when you and obviously it's really compelling to other people too because you have these shows these doctor shows just take off like another one that i thought was a lot more i really resonated more with this show compared to Grey's anatomy because um what's it called though let me think um the resident you guys heard no we were gonna watch that dr cohen we were gonna like start watch we were gonna watch the pilot of it no we never watched it okay watch it it's really great and i really really appreciated and i really liked the resident because it talked about um like like insurance and it talked about like all the other like sort of dirty things that you know the more corrupt side of the healthcare industry and it's just like i don't know it's super interesting i've heard stories you have like a homeless person that comes into the hospital and they're shaking and they have probably have like an ulcer or like, you don't, I don't know, like they have something going on in their stomach and you know, it hurts really, really badly. Like this is one of the episodes and I've actually heard of stories like this and it's hurting and they're crying, whatever. And then they come or they're, you know, like an illegal immigrant or something like that. And they also have stomach pain and then the doctor comes in and the first thing you have somebody asking you like, Oh, like, let me get this information, like your insurance, like blah, 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 blah. And other countries, it's not like that. I mean, here it's like that. And you have to be able to come up with like a bill. Like I had my, like some endometriosis episode because I strongly believe that I have endometriosis, but I haven't had the laparoscopic surgery or whatever it's called. And um, I went in for some really terrible pain. I didn't know what to do. Advil wasn't helping. Tylenol, nothing was helping. And so I had to get some morphine and like some fluids and stuff and an ultrasound. And then I was hit with a bill like $3,000. I don't have $3,000. I'm 23 years old. Like I don't have $3,000 to pay that. And in the show, it really highlights, you know, real life situations like that. So you can be dying and you can have like a tree sticking through your head, but maybe you didn't die from it. And you're going to have to have surgery on it because you value your life and we value your life too. But like, you're going to be stuck with a crazy bill that you can't afford afterwards. So it talks more about that and, you know, how some some doctors, I don't know if it's true, I've heard stories, but how like some doctors in the show, but I'm saying I don't know if it's true in real life, even though I'm pretty sure I've heard horror stories like this, where they're, you know, they're dosing them with, you know, higher doses of whatever medicine they have to make sure that they stay sick so that the hospital keeps getting like revenue, like some oncologist, you know. Well, we talked about that. That was our last, our most recent yeah. podcast. Actually, have you listened to the podcast called Dr. Death? I haven't. No, I haven't. Well, in the season two of Dr. Death, they have an oncologist who's giving people chemotherapy that don't even have cancer. He's telling them that they have cancer and charging them for it. So that really happened. Oh, my God. That is 
that's like the that's like the worst thing I feel like that somebody could do. Like that's just despicable. I can't what even. What was that? What was that? Um, that TV show that was crazy about the mom with the daughter uh, who had uh, Munchausen by proxy, right? And she oh. made her daughter sick. Yeah, your wife watched that one. I didn't watch that one, but there was another- Rose. What was the show called? Gypsy Gypsy Rose was her name. Yes, yes. Exactly, yeah. And that's pretty crazy, too, like that a parent could do that to their child. Yeah. Amazing. It's amazing. People are crazy. And But then you wonder, like, are they mentally ill or are they just a shitty person? Like, (laughs) Or or a combination. Yeah, or that, literally. Exactly. What about the patient who put the juice bottle up their butt? (laughs) Yeah. Just trying to have some fun. Who knows? Yeah. I would hope like, that there's a little bit. Like the party, like the urologist said. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a, <laughs> that's a weird one. Um, but I just want to get a little bit back to, like, the being an influencer. Do you mm-hmm. find it – so are, Dr. Cohen and I believe, like, more and more people are trying to become an influencer. If someone wanted to become an influencer and, like, actually make a living off of it, it's – pretty unlikely that they'd be able to do it right because there's just so much competition like you started what years ago yeah I started of all of them yeah I mean I still see like you know rising influencers I'll see girls on TikTok that just like it's a little bit skewed because I'll see like a girl on TikTok that's like 15 years old and has like the face of like Marilyn Monroe or something like that and then next thing I look at her Instagram and she has like 100,000 followers in a day just because one of her videos blew up and a bunch of men and women thought that she looked really attractive but may not have anything to offer anyone right. for that matter. So, you know, you're watching this video of this girl just dancing in front of the screen, like just looking pretty, then she could get followers based off of that. So I don't know that it's necessarily more difficult or impossible. Um, I just think that it's either random or I think that you really need to. You can't just be wake up one day and be like, I just want to start posting for brands and I just want to be an influencer. You have to be, have a niche. I think that you have to know what you want to do and what you want to post and how you want to influence people. And you have to be pretty consistent with that. I'm lucky because I haven't quite found my niche and I haven't quite taken my Instagram to the place and my YouTube to the place where I need it or want it to go just yet. Um, and I still have the option to choose, but a lot of people like you're not going to get people coming to your page unless you have, you know, something consistent that you're offering them, be it information, pictures, music, anything really. So how much, how much money are these, are people making on Instagram? It all depends. What's your, how much is your friend making? Um, my friend, she was making a lot. She was making, I want to say, you know, it just, it depends. It depends on the brand that you find. Like you could make, you could find a brand and depending on your followers. Okay. So this, I was working for a PR agency and I was finding like recruiting girls for this agency. Mm-hmm. And there's a calculator that you can do and you can look at their engagement. So you can calculate their followers and their page and just plug in their username and see how accurate their followers are. If they're real, if their engagement is high, and then you can determine the price for, to negotiate with a brand, um, for a post. So some girls, if they have like, you could literally have a girl with 15,000 followers, which is not a lot at all, no. but she's getting 5,000 likes, which is like more than what I get, like right. crazy engagement. So she's going to get a pretty good deal. Like she'll get like maybe $3,000 for a post or something like wow. that. Wow. One post, yeah. $3,000. Yeah. 
it, it depends. It depends on how much money the brand has. It's very like subjective. It really depends. Um, but yeah, if you have the, the more followers and the more accurate your followers are, if the, the engagement is accurate and true to how many followers you have, the more money you'll be making. Um, usually PR agencies are reaching out to influencers and negotiating brand deals and stuff like that. But I've seen girls that make like, you know, 15,000 for a post. Like it's crazy. It's crazy. That's amazing. That's yeah, I, mean, amazing. Um, I don't know if you watched this on Netflix. What was it called? Dr. Cohen, the social dilemma. I think it was yeah. like a little <laughs> documentary, but in one of the episodes or part of it was about like a little girl and or she was probably like 12. And so she's seeing all these Instagram influencers and then she's not getting likes and she's not feeling pretty. She's not feeling like good about herself. Like, you know, I don't know, skinny enough. Do you ever like worry about like girls, like looking at you being like, I can never look like that. Or do you just focus more on like fitness and what you can do and like that kind of thing? Um, it's interesting that you asked that because I feel like I'm so stuck in my head looking at the bigger influencers and okay. you know the bigger models and so I'm like looking at their pages and sometimes, you know, I'll, one of my favorite influencers is, um, well, there's two, I really look up to Kim Kardashian. I think she's awesome. I think she's really smart. I think she's really cool. I like what she does with her money and her platform. And another, um, another one is Elsa Hosk. She's this, um, Swedish model, Victoria's Secret model, I believe. I really like her aesthetic. I really like the way that she, you know, curates her page. I like what she has to talk about and stuff like that. And sometimes I find myself looking at their pages and I'm just like, really like I'm never gonna look like that or be like that uh, that's interesting okay but then but then I have thought about sometimes okay well what if you know I'll get I haven't really thought about it but I'll get a message because I'm too busy thinking about what I want to look like and what I you know being jealous of other people myself um so I feel like there's always you're always going to be in that position and I'm sure Kim Kardashian has somebody that she's looking at being like holy shit she's, she's looking at me and she's saying <laughs> how can I be more like Jason Cohen. I be more like him. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, first of all, everybody always has somebody that they're jealous of or something that they want to aspire to be either in an envious way or a healthy way. And I think that, you know, every now and then I'll get a message from a girl being like, Hey, you know, what do you do to look this way or this or that? And I just try, if it comes my way, I just try to be as honest and transparent as possible. Like, Hey, this was hella face tuned and some fake eyelashes and, you know, a couple syringes of Juvederm or whatever in my cheeks or, you know, Hey, I just eat this way and I drink, you know, a lot of water. So I just try to be as honest as possible to not make people feel a certain way. And I think that that's the number one thing, especially if you're, you know, somebody that is considered to be beautiful and, you know, you do have some stuff going on in your face, be it threads, Botox, whatever. I think it's really important to tell people. I think it's really important to tell people because, you know, that could change somebody's decision if they're, you know, if they're sitting at home and they're like, okay, I'm not going to compare myself to this girl because she has openly said that she's gotten a lot of surgery. She's had rhinoplasty. She's had injections. She's had threads. She'd had, she's had all of the above. And you know, maybe I don't even have the means to do that. Maybe I don't want to do that, but at least I know that like she, that's not what she looks like necessarily. So I can feel better about myself and not that's compare myself cool. to somebody. That's very cool of you. Yeah. How old were you when you first had something done? I was 19. I was 19. Yeah. I did my lips. Yeah. I was so in, I, you know, my wife is a cosmetic injector, so I've seen her page. You know, she, it's funny hearing her talk about that 
kids your age, I call you a kid, no disrespect, <laughs> kids your age should start doing, she calls it maintenance. They should start doing maintenance yeah. even early on so that they kind of, you always look the same way and don't, and don't start not doing drastic stuff, but maintenance. And, and she believes in it. And it's interesting. You know, I, I don't know what I think about it personally, but there's something to that. I, be- I believe in it. I think maintenance is great, but I also think that not doing maintenance is great too. Like, I don't think that there yeah. should be pressure to do one or the other. If yeah. that makes sense. My wife always wants to do stuff to me and I'm like, no, I'm not <laughs> having anything that, cause I'm a total wimp. That's the main thing. I'm a total wimp is the main thing, but uh, yeah. I can't, I can't handle like stuff on my face. So yeah, she's always wanting to do stuff. And I'm like, no. Oh, well, that's cute. <laughs> her little guinea pig she can <laughs> but yeah i i respect the honesty i yeah like that's, that's what you want to do if it's not what you want to do just be honest but your yeah. wife like one of our first guests the master injector and she was saying how she gets frustrated with so many actresses who always say that they don't have botox or they don't do this it's like just be honest just be yeah. real let people yeah. know that's what it takes to look like this yeah because then because then people can you know make the decision to be like okay I need to save up a thousand dollars to go buy a syringe or, you know, Botox or whatever, or, you know, I need to drink more water or do this or do that. Or I just need to stop obsessing things that you can do once you have that information. That's why it's so important to be honest and open about it. Anya, you're amazing. Thank you for doing this with us. Thank you. And I love your honesty and I love your insight. Yeah, I mean, your social media ideas already are. Uh, I'd love to do a part so, two. Yeah, yeah. He has to rush off, but this was yeah. great and very informative. Awesome! I had so much fun. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. This you. Is great. Appreciate it. Awesome. Good night, guys. Good night. Good night. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy, and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can check out more episodes on the evolving sights, smells, and sounds of medicine. Gross Anatomy is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.